Hello everybody, how's it going? Ben Gothard here with another Project Egg interview and today we are talking to the magnificent Dan Doty from South Dakota. How you doing today, Dan? Thanks, man. No, I don't want to like challenge you anyway, but North Dakota. I was born in North Dakota. Oh, North Dakota. <laughs> That's right. Well, I, I live in Montana. I live in Montana. Okay, well, thank you for yeah. correcting me. That's totally my fault. Um, but yeah, so so Dan and I met um, not too long ago over in Nashville, and uh, we hit it off, and Dan's doing some really incredible things, so I wanted to bring him on the show so he could share with you guys everything that he's doing and, and really talk about his life. Uh, I think it's going to be incredible. So let's jump right in. Dan, first question for you. What is your story? What is my story? So, so I, yeah, I was born in a little town in North Dakota, and uh, my young life was <clears throat> was really weird. I mean, it like weird, 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 and not weird because there was weird stuff going on. It was weird because there just wasn't much going on. Like North Dakota in the agricultural section of it, there's a lot of these little towns in the middle of nowhere, very disconnected, um, very cold, very flat, right? Like ge geographically, physically flat, like a pancake, um, lots of snow and cold, lots of months of the year where you're just at home, you know, or like being shuttled to, I don't know, whatever activity or whatever it is. Um, and culturally pretty, uh, buttoned up, I would say pretty closed off. Um, and that said, it was an amazing, an amazing childhood, just like loving family, loving parents. Um, but grew up in this weird place. And, um, you know, I, I was a pretty sensitive kid in the sense that I could really feel a lot. I could feel what other people were feeling. I felt things really deeply. And I didn't have much room or outlet for expression, right? Um, and so I'll, I'll skip forward. And, you know, like in high school, I was a kind of a jock, but I was also a metalhead and partied a lot and um, went to college and started actually traveling abroad uh, during college, which just changed my life drastically, like overwhelmingly. Uh, spent a bunch of time abroad. And then um, right after college, I started working as a wilderness therapy guide. So I would I worked for these programs where I went out and led groups of young men, uh, usually 13 to 20-ish years old, uh, who were struggling in life, who were having a hard time, and whose families and parents and communities uh, you know, some of these were actual, uh, correctional programs. So they were arrested. And then a lot of them were private pay therapeutic services, right? Where, you know, Johnny's in trouble. We got to send him out for a sort of corrective uh, experience. Right. Um, and I found myself in that work and in those places, I found myself just really naturally finding a, uh, a good role for me as a mentor, as like an older brother figure, as somebody who could really understand these guys and really be there for them, really help them open up and grow. And at the same time, I was doing it myself. I was growing. I was learning. I was. I think one of the cool things about this job and this career was that it it literally like actually gave me books of knowledge on how to communicate better, how to be more clear with my emotions, and I needed to be able to do this in order to work with others in that capacity, right? And I also love the wilderness and nature more than anything ever at any point in the universe. Like that is my place, it's where I fit. Um, so it was just this amazing experience that set a course for me, right? 
Um, and I became obsessed with a couple things, the wilderness being one, but the other being manhood, masculinity, rites of passage, like what it is or what it was that men and boys need in order to mature and grow up and be healthy and be happy and fulfilled, have good relationships to get what we want, have good um, careers, you know, and it just, I could see, I could, I felt like I could see through a lot of BS, right? And one of the most important things was on these trips, almost all of them included a parent week or a father-son uh, trip or part of it. And I would, you know, see these kids reconnect with their dads in a way that maybe they never had before. Um, it was just so, so powerful. Like, I just felt like we have so many, like, layers between us and we're very rarely actually making contact with each other. And, and this work allowed me to do that. And, it, um, you know, fast forwarding, I did that for a long time. I became a teacher in the Bronx for a while, kind of continued my learning and my work. Uh, I then had a career in media where I, I started out on the bottom of the food chain but worked my way up to direct and produce a show called The Meat Eater. I created a show, helped create a show called Apex Predator, uh, produced and directed it, and then I became executive producer. And then a couple years ago, I let that go. I had my own son, and then I, I really went full into my dream, and I launched a company called Everyman last year. And we do wilderness expeditions, we do weekend retreats, and we help men organize uh, their own men's groups in their own communities. And it's all based on the same stuff. Like, let's get rid of all of this extra gunk around us and let's actually sit down and be real with each other. So that's that's pretty quick. I'm pretty impressed how fast that went. But that's a long story. <laughs> that's an amazing. That's an amazing story. So, you know, I want to I wanna really take a step back and, and I want to dig a little bit deeper into, uh, into your past. So, you know, mm -hmm. you said from the beginning – you were kind of in a weird place where there really wasn't much to do. Um, how do you think that that sort of environment um, crafted you? Like, like, how do you think yeah. that played a role in who you are today? I love that question because it's really clear to me that I there was there was actually I'm really grateful for this. There was not a lack, but there was a limit on the external stimulation that I had as a kid, right? So, um, you know, there wasn't that much noise. There wasn't flashing lights. It, just, it, just, it was a quieter life, right? And we didn't travel much um, when I was young. We, we kind of stayed pretty home and local, right? Um, I think I saw the ocean for the first time when I was 16 or 17. Um, you know, the first time I saw actual mountains was maybe I was 14, something like that. Uh, you know, so I wasn't widely traveled. Um, and here's how it shaped me. One of the ways, there's a lot of ways, but when I got to places where there was more life and there was more action and there was more contrast, it was just like the biggest party was thrown and was being thrown everywhere I went, you know, like to go from a flat landscape and drive across the plains and see the Rocky mountain. It's like, Oh my gosh, like, like this is incredible, you know, and to see the ocean for the first time. And I mean this, and so I, like I said, I started traveling abroad. So I went to Europe. I was like, holy, can I swear? I'll try not to swear. Holy crap, man. <laughs> like the food and the people and the culture and the music and the opportunities and the difference and the like 
liveliness, just incredible. I didn't go to New York for the first time in my life till I think it was 24 or 25. Same thing, man. I got off there and got in the subway and just saw all the people around me and it just lit me up, like just lit me up to no end. So that's a big, that's a, I think that's, I don't know, I'd, I'd be really curious to hear if there's any other Midwesterners or sort of folks that have had anything similar, but I think that's pretty real for me, that it really like, it's made the world really interesting, I guess, you know? Yeah, that's really cool. And that's a really cool perspective that you have, you know, coming from, from where you did come from and now, you know, kind of immersing yourself in, in all these different cultures. That's really interesting. So, you know, I want to I wanna talk about uh, the sensitivity because that's something that you mentioned very early on um, was that you were kind of a sensitive child. Um, again, how has that really impacted your life moving forward and how did you identify that as, as one of your characteristics? Great. Yeah, really good question. Again, um, so, how do I, so how did I identify it when I was young or how do I identify Yeah. Um, well, it's funny. So my wife recently asked my little brother who lives here in Montana with us um, what I was like as a little kid. And I, this surprised me, but my brother said fragile. Like I was, I was fragile. Um, I would have never thought about that word about myself. I would have probably never used that. But I think there's some truth in it. I, uh, I really, really was just almost dominated by the um by the interactions between my parents in some ways like my dad's mood or my mom's state of being or the relationship between them uh i was hyper aware of it you know as i imagine many children are i mean because there's something about safety and security you know wrapped up in that um i also know that uh well, this is an embarrassing story, but I was like five, maybe six. And we were driving in my, my dad's friend's truck across the, uh, a bridge over the Red River. And I was just flipping the lock up and down on the um, car door. And um, I think he just very kindly asked me to stop doing it because it was annoying him. And I just burst into tears. Like I just cried and cried. Um, and I don't know, you know, I loved, I was a bookworm. I loved to read. Um, I think where I began to recognize it more clearly. So when I was about eight, seven or eight, I started uh, martial arts, uh, Taekwondo for a good long time, like seven, eight years. Um, you know, and took it very seriously. And through that, um, you know, I think I really, it toughened me up, not in a bad way, not in like a harmful way, but really in a very positive way. You know, I started to um, get more feedback from people from outside my family and my friends. And uh, I think that the, the sort of the values of Taekwondo, courtesy, integrity, perseverance, respect, all of these things were became really important to me. And yeah, it gave me a lot of confidence too. So I, I think pre-martial uh, arts, I was, uh, yeah, probably fragile. And during and post, it gave me just a real sense of self, a sense of confidence, a sense of 
um, ability to take things on. And, and uh, I really credit my Taekwondo instructor for really helping to cultivate that. You know, I turned into kind of, I would say a little bit of a badass, you know, internally. I'm like, you know, I can, you know, I was like a, I think I got my black belt when I was 12 and I was on a team where we drive around and demonstrate and I would lead classes of like dozens, if not hundreds of people at times, you know, it was like a, it was a big deal. It was a pretty big deal for me. So. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So what you're saying is don't get on your bad side. Could you <laughs> you open up a of whoop ass? <laughs> I was 15 or 16 when I quit. So I am not, um, you could definitely beat me up if you really wanted to. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a brawler in any sense. But. All right, so um, let's talk a little bit about um, about the outlet. And because and, you said from an early age you didn't really have an, an outlet. Maybe it was a creative outlet, um, you know, whatever that was. Can you talk about um, the importance of having that outlet? And, and how you really develop that over time and, and how it manifested itself for you. Yeah, great. So I, I do think that martial arts was probably my first outlet. It's where I really uh, was able to express myself and, and, and be myself through that lens, you know. Um, and I think it trained me in a lot of ways. But when I, when I mean outlet, I, I guess at the bottom of it, what, what I mean is being able to communicate uh, – one's truth or state of being or, uh, you know, actual experience to be able to, uh, fully and in, in relax in, in a relaxed way, just express what's real and what's up. Right. And, uh, I, I mean, another thing that was really big for me too, um, was there also wasn't a ton of like touch physicality in, in my home or life either. And, um, I ended up dating this girl in, in, um, high school that, I, I almost credit her with uh, not saving my life, but just augmenting my life greatly. She came from a family that was very warm, very lots of hugs going on, and just so great with expression, right? Just easy to say, you know, things like I love you and I care about you, and emotions were very fluid and fluent in that home, and I spent a lot of time with her. Um, and that was a real opening for me too, just a real human opening, you know, where, and it, it, it felt so good and it, it helped me relax a lot, I think, just as a person because I, uh, you know, and I didn't know this at the time necessarily, and, um, but yeah, it really, it helped me be a little bit more human or a little bit more full in, in who I was. And, and that's the direction that, you know, that I really care to go, right? It'd be more and more human, I guess, to put it simply. Wow, that's really powerful. So, you know, I want to I wanna talk about uh, your traveling abroad experiences because ah. um, you, know, you seem to be very excited about it. And, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit. So you went to New York around 24, 25, I believe. Um, ah. And you, you were going different places. But can you talk about the place, all the places that you did go and some of the the real big takeaways from your travels. Oh yeah, um, the first one was I, I spent my sophomore year of college in England on a study abroad program. That same that same girl I talked about from high school, we, we went to college together too, and she came back from class on our uh, a day on our freshman year, and she's like, 
I'm going to go to England next year. And if you want to be my boyfriend, you should probably come too. <laughs> and she's kind of put it up there. And I'm like, okay, I'll go. And, you know, um, But what I learned there was just a, I wouldn't even say learn, but what I experienced was this massive expansion that I was talking about that, holy cow, the world is not any one way. Like, like the world is not any thousand ways. It's not even a million ways. Like the world is so big and so wild. And, um, I just traveled my butt off, you know, it was, it was the age of discovery for me, exploration in a sense, you know, I traveled all over Europe, uh, spent months living out of a backpack, um, just learned and soaked it up and, you know, drank bad white wine and on the Greek islands and climbed mountains in Switzerland. Like, you know, just had a freaking blast, man. And, you know, I came back with very, very different ambitions than when I left, you know, I think that my ambitions when I was younger were not non-existent, but almost non-existent. I just didn't have much to I didn't see a whole lot to be excited about, honestly. Um, I came back from Europe being like, oh boy, things are different, you know, things are different now. So, so that was the first major one. Uh, a year after that, or two years after that, I spent, um, I went on an anthropological field study to Ecuador, and I spent, I think it was about a five-week trip, I think it was five weeks, four weeks, and we spent um, some time living with three different indigenous groups in both the highlands and the lowlands of Ecuador. And that was another like, like just brain exploder. Um, and that set me up for a whole different set of growth. And, and that growth and direction included spirituality at that time. So we sat in a, an ayahuasca ceremony with a local shaman. We didn't drink ayahuasca, but we just sat with him as he did a ceremony that was the beginning of a whole new direction for me. I'm like, Oh my, what the heck? <laughs> you know? And what that also got me in touch with is something that's very important to me now. And I've studied and practiced a lot is this idea of embodiment and this idea of, um, being at home in our physical world, being at home in our physical bodies, being in touch with the world and our surroundings. And there was something I recognized and I didn't have the words for it right away, but going down there, and being immersed in an indigenous culture, they moved different. Like just something qualitatively felt different about these people. And I didn't know exactly what it was, but um, looking back, their their life that's just so connected with physicality, life and death and the elements and the ground and fire and water, like just everything, right? Just like not at a distance from a life, from life, right? They they don't like they're in life not looking at it. Um, and that really just, man, did that set up a whole bunch of uh, long-term passions, excitements, directions, practices, um, all of that. Yeah, man, I'm glad you asked that question. I haven't, I haven't really had a chance to reflect on on some of that travel in a while, and it, it's really cool to do so. So well, it's cool yeah. to listen to you reflect on it too. I mean, that, that's very, yeah. very interesting and very profound. I think. So just a little more. So right after college, I moved to Ecuador to, to study Spanish, and I, and I lived there for about uh, four months, five months, and I wrote my first novel there. It's not published. Don't go looking for it. It's not out there, but I wrote a book and um, moved to Panama with my ex-girlfriend for a while and um, did some more travel, and I went to Southeast Asia, 
Uh, I did a big trip to uh, the Philippines and to, and to where else did I go? Thailand. Um, and at that point in my life, I thought that uh, a life abroad was the life for me. Like I really fully expected to be living um, abroad the rest of my life or at least be – so I think at this time I projected myself as maybe an anthropologist or – some sort of uh, culture. I was looking into ethnomusicology to study the music of different cultures, things like that. Um, yeah, and then I and then I landed in. I was in Panama, living in Panama. Needed to come back to the states to get a job and earn some money, and I found my first wilderness therapy job. And um, then I started a whole new line of exploration, which had to do with uh, the wilderness. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So when, when you did come back from your travels abroad, did you already know that the wilderness was such a big, important uh, aspect of your life, or did you really discover it once you started that uh, journey? And, and how has that really played an impact in your life? I did. I did know. I discovered it when I was 12 or 13, uh, and my cousin from Lamore, North Dakota, Eric invited me to go on his uh, summer youth trip to the Boundary Waters Wilderness Canoe Area in northern Minnesota, uh, and I went on a, I think it was an eight-day, seven-day uh, canoeing trip backcountry in the, in, the, in the wilderness area, and yeah, I, I joke that uh, on that trip, I fell in love with my two uh, biggest loves of my life, which are the wilderness and the outdoors, and and ladies. So I had, I think I had my first major crush on a girl on that trip. Um, and yeah, I came away from that trip knowing that, well, you know what it was not even knowing at that point, but feeling so free and at home and just filled with literal joy being out there in the woods. I mean, just like pure and I still feel that. That's the thing. When I, my favorite thing is to is like um, long or multi-day backcountry trips. Like that's my thing. That's what fills me up. And um, yeah, I, so I did. I did know. And I had worked a couple summers as a uh, kind of like a trail guide and a and a trail worker for for both the Forest Service and the Fish and Wildlife Service. So I definitely had um, you know the outdoor passion. Not so much as a in a recreational way. It's not like I was, you know, a crazy climber or a crazy uh, whatever skier or whatever. But I just I knew I loved to be outside for sure. That's awesome. And my current biggest dream in life is to be on the show alone on the History Channel, where you go out for as long as you can and survive by yourself. That's that's like actually my biggest dream right now. <laughs> that would be so cool. That would be so cool. <laughs> So, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, actually, I want to talk a lot about what you're doing uh, with Everyman right now. Um, mm. So can you talk a little bit about and really uh, dive deep on how it got started, the, the kind of key players involved, and, and really what's going on with that whole organization? Awesome, yeah. So I'll back up a little bit because it's important. But when I was 27, I'm 35 now. Uh, when I was 27, I, I sat in my first men's group in New York City. I had been um, a teacher, as I had mentioned, had been teaching in the city. Um, and I didn't know what a men's group was. And I was invited and I went and it changed my life. Another one of these big turning moments, uh, moments of reckoning and, and change for me. And 
So I found in my first men's group, and I basically found one everywhere I went since you know since that point, and then I started creating them everywhere I went. And you know what it offered me, and it still holds true today, is is that same exact opportunity to let go of all of the um, cultural trappings, interpersonal dialogue, the, the need to look a certain way, and just show up and have people to to see you for who you actually are, right? And so every man was planted in my head then, for sure, in some way or another. Um, and I knew that that was, um, I had something in me in that direction that needed to happen, right? And I actually started at that point when in my late 20s, I started a blog, I started writing about men's stuff and all that. And uh, it just didn't, it, I mean, actually almost got there. Like I almost sold a book about it and things like that. Um, at that point I was focusing more on adolescence, right? I was working on with boys more than men. Uh, but then I got into my, my TV career and then, so every man literally percolated in me for years and a lot of times uncomfortably percolated as I, as I went through my career in media, I felt the, uh, this nagging biting feeling of like, what about this? What about this? Like, dude, what are you doing with this, right? And um, so a year and a half ago, my son was born and I got fired from my job. And those were, you know, a, a kick to get me off my butt and then one to get me out the door, basically. And um, a good dear friend of mine, his name is Sasha Lewis. He's one of the, he's the founding partner with me in Everyman. And then uh, Lucas Crump, who's become a dear friend, is, is our third partner and co-founder now. Um, so we launched a year ago, it's 2018 right now. We launched officially in January, 2017, and then really got off the ground with, um, I was on Joe Rogan's podcast last April and, uh, that gave us like a huge infusion of attention and energy that really lifted, lifted us, um, into existence, you know? So in the last year we've run uh, five sold out retreats, our first wilderness expedition, Yellowstone National Park. Um, we have what I, I think between 60 and 70 men's groups um, meeting regularly across the country and a couple places outside of the country already. Um, and yeah, we're, you know, we're still young and scrappy. We're, we're still a startup, you know, we're, we're, we're working hard. Um, I have a coaching practice too. So I work with guys one-on-one, -on -one, which is really fulfilling, uh, for me. And this, this all, this all launched about eight months ago, last April, nine, 10 months, yeah, nine months ago. So yeah, that's the birth story. That's, that's every man birth story. That's awesome. So, you know, what, what is the purpose of everything? You know, where do you see your, your organization, your, your business, your movement almost going and what's really the biggest goal for for that yeah uh, great so it's that the world is literally asking and needing something different from men right now i think that's a pretty loud call you know through men are um and so i'm going to start with the extreme examples we're, we're hurting other people uh, different things like the me too movement demonstrate that we're also hurting ourselves pretty badly. Our suicide rate keeps growing. It's pretty, pretty crazy if you actually look at it. Um, the male suicide rate in this country, 
And, and then the, so that's the extreme level, but the, there's a hundred or a thousand more minute levels and more subtle levels than that from just men feeling stuck in their job and men not having friends, feeling lonely, uh, not being able to communicate well, not knowing how to do relationships well. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. So I want to just park that for a second. There's this current reality of men. And obviously there's a lot of great stuff too, right? Like it's not all bad. But um, what every man is here for is to not only change the conversation and say that, hey, guys, we need to do something different. We actually have a way to do things differently. And, and we're sharing and, and teaching and training and practicing pure, straight up humanity through vulnerability, through compassion, um, and not just the ideas of these things, but the actual practice the actual practice of being present, the actual practice of saying things that are scary to say, the practice of having hard conversations, the practice of, which is in reality, that's the practice of being honest, right? Like hard conversations um, happen when you take the risk to be honest. Um, and so, so that is, that is our fundamental goal. We, we believe that um, if men can grow up in this, in, in these ways, uh, we can affect change in, I mean, honestly, at a pretty highly ambitious level. We feel like we can, if we could seed this into our culture that men can be vulnerable, men can be real, we don't have to put on a front, we don't have to do things alone, and we can come together and actually practice this together, I think we could change the world. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And, and I totally agree with you, by the way. Yeah. I, think, uh, I very much admire all the things um, so, you know, for, for all the men that are, that are listening and for the ladies, maybe you could tell a special man in your life about this, um, can we, can we give like an actionable, um, something to do right now to help us be more present and, uh, and, and kind of toss the facade out the window? What's something we can yeah. do right now? Yeah, totally. So right now, literally, um, get take your take your awareness from your head and like sink it down to your body and what do you notice see if what you can notice and i'll just demonstrate so right now my feet feel alive and cold um i feel a pinch in my chest right in the middle i feel a little warm in the face um and some dryness around around my mouth so that i'm just describing to you my physical reality right now what i notice right what i feel and then emotionally, uh, I'm feeling very open. I'm feeling uh, curious. I'm feeling love. Uh, I'm not feeling angry. I'm not feeling sad. I'm just feeling. I'm feeling really warm and open right now. Um, so that right there, what I just did is me expressing my current reality to you, right? Nothing more, nothing less. Now the strange thing is, is that's that's really really not what most guys do at <laughs> most time. Mostly what we're doing is telling you what we think. Um, we're projecting something in the future. We're projecting something into the past. Um, we're, we're not right here. So that is a simple practice. And and I'm not suggesting you go do that all, all day everywhere where you go. You mean you just do that over and over. But it's an awareness practice, right? It's, it's a practice of being aware of what you of your state, right? And then when you're doing that, you start to become more comfortable with 
your state, right? So there's a lot of states we don't want to feel. We don't want to feel extreme emotion. We probably don't want to feel much discomfort. We, you know, it's natural. This is natural being a human. But you know, just like um, going to the gym and working out your muscles, it's uncomfortable, right? But it's for a good purpose. It's literally a workout. It helps you get healthier and stronger. And so it's an emotional workout to be able to sit in and be with what you feel. And and the reason that this is so important is that because other people are feeling things all around you too. And when they're feeling something that you can't deal with, you're not going to be there for them because you 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 just it's how our social wiring works, right? It's how like there's an, a, a whole level of our brain that is all about sensing and feeling our relationship to those around us in our community, right? And um, the neuroscience around this stuff is really incredible. And one of the most uh, simple and straightforward things is just the the ability to name emotional states. Uh, it, it takes their power away and it, it really turns down their volume enough so that you can say, oh, yeah, I'm angry. And then you just keep with your life. And so what this is, I know this is a long answer, but it is the opposite of repression, right? It's the opposite of stuffing things down. And I'm talking about you can stuff down something big or you can stuff down a hundred little things every day. And guess what? That's a big pile of gunk, you know? It's a big pile of garbage that's all of a sudden stopping up the flow of, honestly, your energy, your, you know, your normal ability to be who you are. So. Wow, that was powerful. And and as, as we were kind of going through that original exercise, I was kind of doing that with you too, and, and it, it was cool, you know, it, it kind of, almost felt more centered and, and, and here in the moment, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm very grateful for it. So, so thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. so that was really cool. So, you know, I would challenge everybody to, to really take a second and, and, and go through that. Uh, it's cool. Um, so, you know, that, that got me thinking a little bit more about, about, um, this kind of thing. So as, as men, as we're progressing, we're going about our, our day-to-day lives. Are there some regular, uh, maintenance things, if you will, that, that we should be doing and, and what are those things and how can we really incorporate them into our day-to-day life? Yeah. Awesome. So, I mean, I would highly recommend to any human on the planet to, uh, inquire or be curious about a meditation practice or, or some, uh, basic awareness practice where you can take the time to slow down each day in some capacity, right? And it doesn't have to be a lot. It could literally be three minutes a day to start, something like that. Um, I really am a deep believer that our, you know, the amount of information we take in today is so far past the norm for our human, you know, existence in evolutionary, in an evolutionary sense. Like, it's crazy, man. Like, all the information we take in constantly and I believe it's incredibly powerful to create a little gap for yourself so you can catch up, honestly, catch up with yourself, right? Like, I don't know, man, I'm still, I'm still probably subconsciously processing something from our conversation with my family last night at the dinner table, you know, like just, and, and I have, a, I've had a regular meditation practice for about seven or eight years and, and it has, um, it's literally been the actual feeling for me is 
I know I think about the most comfortable wearing the most comfortable clothes that I own and sitting on like in the most comfortable environment and just that sense of being home that sense of um that sense of like something is just deeply good and right you know and I know it's not true for everybody meditation can be really hard so anyway I think that's really helpful and really important um I would go a little further and say that uh, a meditation practice that involves the body itself, so like the actual physical body, um, is another thing to be curious about. Because a lot of meditation is oriented for your brain. You're, you're really just sort of uh, trying to quiet the mind. Um, and there's a lot of ways to do that. But but the type of meditation that I practice is, is a somatic meditation. It's so using the ability to feel your physical body as the as the thing to concentrate on as the actual thing that that helps you quiet your mind right so that might be just <clears throat> breathing into my belly for a while or running through um like a body scan where you start with parts of your body and really just feel right and uh <clears throat> so that's that's my practice and that's um i think very very powerful other things would be a some sort of relational space so whether that's a therapist or a coach or a men's group or it could even be a friend but but a friend with whom you in advance you agree that hey let's create a space and a time here where we can you know cut the shit in a sense you know and and really um really be real and really be honest and have a place to share the stuff that you're holding in. So, um, you know, I obviously have have my preferences in those. Like, I have a, a meditation. I'm sorry, I have a men's group, and I do I have a coach too, and have had coaches and therapists, and I actually use all of these things. But um, I think that if we're living without any place to consciously go there, um, it's really hard to manage it all. Life's a lot. You know, life is a kind of a bear, you know, there's a lot going on. So, Wow, that's incredible. So, um, you know, you mentioned that you have a coach. Um, yeah. And, and that's really interesting to me because it seems like you are a coach for a lot of people and, and a, a source of knowledge and inspiration and really a provider for other people. So what do you, in that position, look for in a coach? Like, what do you look for when you're trying to find balance? Great question. And actually, just to amend what I said, I, I, I don't officially have a coach coach right now, but I have a mentor. Um, I have a mentor that um, I talk to every week and we do regular calls. And um, I have I have like employed coaches in the past and therapists too. But, you know, to be, to be totally frank, um, well, I, I think here's the baseline. For myself, I need to keep my – uh, one of one of my other mentors, Foster Mobley, has a a book. Um, can't remember the name of it right now, but he has this this uh, vision of a of a creek, right? And our life is this creek, and um, if we don't address things, if we don't sort of uh, you know take things head on, branches fall in, rocks fall in, and things get dammed up, right? And in my position where I am coaching others and I am mentoring others and helping others and, and being in this position, if I don't take care of myself, if I don't keep my creek flowing, if I don't keep and, – and I can't do it all on my own. There's just no way, right? Um, 
then I'm not going to be able to, to serve others nearly as effectively as, as I can if I'm clean, clear, you know, moving forward. And that doesn't mean that, you know, things aren't dramatic or difficult. They are, right? That's just, I'm not, like, I need to make sure that I don't get so stuck that it um, puts me, like, I can't afford to be in, like, a, a shutdown place right now. And it's not just professionally. Like, I have a little boy, you know, I have a family, I have a wife, I have, you know, so many things that are, um, in a sense, reliant, but not even just that, but in relation in relation to me that that I care about. And so, um, and and I think there's something about it too that once you, at least for me, once I had um, somebody there to help with things, and I recognize the value of that, it's just so um, it's hard to go without at times. You know, I can at times, and things are good. Things are good. You know. Uh, but if but there is so for example right now I am actually looking for uh, probably a therapist at this point just to help me with a specific area of my life that um, some old you know stuff that's still there that I would like to uh, I don't know get through and heal or relax or whatever that is so so the real answer is it depends on the time you know where I'm at and, and what I'm looking for. Um, I think that for me, having men in these roles has been very important. And then at other times, it's actually been incredibly important for me to have women in those roles too, because, um, you know, I, there's, I just naturally relate differently. You know, my, you know, if I'm gonna, I related different to my dad and my mom, right. And that set a tone in a way. So, wow, that, that's really powerful. So you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about the business side of everything because I think yeah. that it's really interesting to talk about the mission and, and the vision and, and really what the good that you're trying to accomplish, but also talk about technically on the business side how you're going to accomplish that. So can, can you talk a little bit about what steps you've taken to grow your business and and what has been those biggest driving factors you mentioned the podcast maybe you could, could talk about uh some, yep. some other really big parts yeah so we haven't monetized the podcast yet we're, we're probably uh close to the growth to make that a possibility um but our initial our initial stage was just to do some retreats right to do these in-person events um and we do weekends of up to 50 guys at a time and uh you know the price point for that is between 700 and a thousand bucks and uh, we do the wilderness trips which are week long and the price point for that is more like four and a half thousand bucks so that was that's been enough to along with a, an initial small investment from one of the partners um that's been enough to basically float us to this point you know it keeps nobody's full-time you know nobody's full-time yet i'm i'm the closest but i also have a, a coaching practice too which keeps me from being full full-time um but what the vision is and what we're about to unroll this year fairly soon is a straightforward membership model where uh, we have a, a lot we, what we're looking to do is create a really large-scale community of men that are like in and committed to to this and we have a lot of different entry points for them. So with, with a membership will come um, access, first, you know, simple kind of straightforward access to a private Facebook group where we can all 
communicate and commiserate and all of that. Um, it'll give access to starting or joining one of our in-person groups, which are really honestly kind of the bedrock of, of what we do, or it's at least what we see as one of our biggest gifts being. Um, it's also a kind of a messy process and, and like creating a men's group is kind of like creating a romantic relationship where it takes commitment, it takes energy, it takes a lot of stuff. So, so we don't see that at least at this point, we don't see that as our core, core business. It, it would be tricky to hang our business on that just cause it takes a lot. Um, but that along with the, the membership, um, I've been spending the last month creating the first sort of quarter's worth of every Sunday night we're going to send out a, uh, a package of educational materials. And there's going to be a theme for the week tied into a larger um, larger calendar of thematic uh, content. And it's going to be really specific. It's going to be we're going to isolate a theme and a couple skills each week, like, uh, you know, getting in, like, how do you sit with anger as an example, right? How, how do you express anger in a healthy way that doesn't hurt others? Maybe that's a week's topic. And, it, and we're going to have um, a practice guide which says, here's how you practice it in your group. If you're in a group, here's some prompts, here's some exercises, here's how you can practice it there. If you're not in a group yet, here's how you practice it in your life. Here's like, here's some ways to engage with this. It might be some journaling, it might be some conversations to have. Um, and then there's also going to be a private uh, recording podcast recording um, that's not open to the public and I'm missing something um, oh early access to our events and and um, things like that so so that's our that's our big push that that we're working on and we're gonna be launching it within within the first quarter of this year for sure um, that's actually coming up pretty quick so we'll be launching it sometime soon and we're not you know, we're not holding it too tightly, you know, we're, we're, we're really willing in the, in the big picture. Um, we would love to partner with, um, brands like wellness brands, health brands. Uh, one way that we're, we're sort of look at ourselves and we haven't really unfurled this language, but as the heart of men's health that we see our community as a place of accountability and kind of like the missing link, you know, like if you want to grow, get healthy, like expand whatever that looks like that maybe that's you know your physical health you need to get better maybe that's your mental health maybe that's your uh, financial health maybe any of this stuff um, we're seeing us as a as a community that's just there to support you and and we'd love to have um, partnerships with other brands that you know make sense in that way so that's awesome that's awesome yeah. that's really cool so you know, we talked a lot about uh, about your past, um, and we talked a little bit about your present. But I want to I want to drill down a little bit, um, a little bit more. What would you say is your biggest focus as of right now? Um, creating this, creating and supporting our groups, the men who have been and are creating groups. Uh, so. We're creating a mentoring network internally so that every man who starts one of our groups has somebody to go to and talk to on a regular basis, has an, has like a, a direct line to somebody with a lot of experience who can, who can really um, answer questions and, and troubleshoot and things like that. So that's taking a lot of it. The, the second part is, um, and really my overall direction and hope for my role in all this is, 
is to share, right? So I'm starting to write articles for for publications that have a bigger reach, and I'm looking and, and inquiring to get on more podcasts like this one, and and to um, get ourselves out in the world. You know, that's that's I, I'm I'm working on a book proposal or two actually, and that's so I'd say it's about fifty fifty split, and and uh, you know I I think that I am looking to be more and more in that second category as we go forward. You know, I want to write, what I really want to do is write books and talk and, and teach and share and just be out in the world meeting people. And, you know, that, and that said, like this last year of my life has been the most fulfilling, um, like by far, like every day my life is I get to connect with guys, right. And in a positive way, in a way that's good for them and good for me and good for the world. And, um, it's pretty damn fulfilling, man. <laughs> It's wild. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, Dan, I want to I want to thank you so much uh, for for coming on the show and, and for sharing everything that you have. It really means a lot to me. Um, I do have one more question for you. Please. Um, is there anything about yourself that you think is an important part of who you are that I did not ask you about today? In other words, what did I miss? Hmm. What did you miss? Um... Well, yeah, there, there's a, there's an artist part of me that I've, I've written fiction most of my life, and um, and a musician. I used to I used to play in bands a lot, and I used to have this fight between uh, who I was gonna be. Was I gonna be this wild artist guy, or was I going to do this man thing, right? And uh, I feel like for the most part, they've converged. And I'm using my creativity and, and all of that for um, the for this purpose now. But there is that there still is that part of me that like, um, you know, I would love to take my family and move to a little town in the mountains of Chile and, and write a book and like be weird. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. So again, Dan, I want to thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show. Um, so for, for people that want to get more involved, they're really fired up right now. Um, how do they take the next step? Um, you know, how do they get in contact with you? What's the next step for, for people? Yeah, cool. Everything's at our, at the Everyman website, which is everyman.co. And we spell everyman without the first, without the second E. So E-V-R-Y-M-A-N.co. Um, yeah, you can find all of our retreats if somebody's really intrigued uh you can see if there's a group in your area that you can go check out um there's also a handful of events and retreats coming up so we got them on the east coast and the west coast and then we have our wilderness uh, expedition that we just released in it'll be in june in montana um or just listen to the podcast you know i think that's that's a good way in the every man podcast it's everywhere you can find it um yeah just check it out and if it's for you then you can Take a step after that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I highly encourage everybody to go check out the website and the podcast. I'm going to include links to all of those things in the show notes, so take a peek at that. Um, Dan, again, I want to thank you so, so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. hope you've had a blast as well. Um, and to, to everybody who is listening, I want to thank you so much. You all are the reason that we do this, and I love you guys. So. Uh, with that being said, this has been another Project Egg interview. We've been talking to Dan Doty from North Dakota. How are you doing? <laughs>